0: A wonderful good morning to every one of you, especially our visitors, especially our visitors who've come from far. We'll take time to welcome you later on. Uh, This is a very wonderful day. God has given us grace today, and we want to take time to learn from his word. Uh, Today I want to speak about the methodology of God. Okay, God is not religious, like many of, our religious kind of organizations today. But nevertheless, God has a way of doing things. And I think it's very important for us to discern how God is working things out in our lives because he follows a certain pattern, a certain methodology, and it's important for us to understand that. So I want to begin reading from uh, Genesis chapter one, verse one, obviously that's the beginning of scripture. And the Bible says, in the beginning, God. Okay, it's always important to understand that the beginning of this world, the beginning of creation, is not the beginning of God, but it's the beginning of this world. Okay, so in the beginning of this world, there was God. God was already there. And of course, the Bible tells us that even before the beginning of this world, long ago, God loved us, cared for us, prepared for us, You know, and uh, it's so important for us to understand that. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then we come to verse two, which seems to be something quite different from verse one, because God created the heavens and the earth in verse one, and it looks like something in between must have happened which we don't know. So verse two says, the earth was formless. And empty, darkness was on the surface of the deep, and God's spirit was hovering over the surface of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. John chapter 1 verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own, and those who were his own didn't receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become God's children, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of a man, but of God. The Word became flesh and lived among us. We saw his glory, such glory as the only born Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, this morning we receive your word, your life-giving word, your powerful word, your word that gives us illumination and understanding. And we pray, Lord, that you help us absorbing your word, so that it can find room in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, and that it can be able to Accomplish everything that you have decided you would want to do in our lives today. So, Lord Jesus, we commit ourselves into your hands and we pray, Lord, for your word to become alive to each and every one of us. Amen. So, what we are learning here are timeless principles. Okay? From the Father, there is a continuation to the sun and then through the Holy Spirit. So in the creation, you know, the Bible says the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was on the surface of the deep and God's Spirit was hovering over the surface. So we see the Spirit of the Lord is there and then the, the Word of God says God says." Okay, so there is... The, 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 the Father, because when it says God said, okay, God spoke, God released the Word. And the Word is Christ, okay? In the beginning, the Bible is very clear, there was the Word and the Word was with God, okay? The Word became flesh and walked amongst us. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were working in unison in order to bring about what God wanted to do at that particular time, okay? So God commanded and the word was sent and when the word was released, it became light, okay? Let there be light and there was light and the Bible tells us the light of life is, you know, Christ is the, is the light of the world So we we can see the son of the living God became the light of the world as well. So we, we can see that something amazing took place at that particular time. And this is a pattern how God works, not just at creation, but also at our creation as new creatures in Christ. And of course, through history in scripture, we see the same principle happening again and again. Uh, In in the book of Psalms, we read Psalm 133, how good and blessed it is when God's people live together in unity or in oneness. Actually, that's a better translation. It is like precious oil poured on the heads, running down on the beards, running down on Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robe, it is as if the you, even when, were falling on Mount Zion, for the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Okay, what is described here is, a, is an anointing, the anointing of a priest that is Aaron, and you know, the anointing starts from the head, but it is meant to flow down so that the whole body is going to benefit from that. And so, you know, we must understand that this is the, the principle how God works. God is the one who we do not see. But then yet he has sent his son into the world so that all of us who have been far away from the Lord, all of us who have been in darkness may be able to come into the light. I mean, we all know script, the scripture in John 3:16 where the Bible says, for God so loved the world. So God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that he gave his only born son. Okay, so the Father gives. Just like in the beginning, you know, there was the Father who released the Word. And again, he releases the Word, Jesus Christ, the eternal living Word of God. He releases it into the world, And when he comes into the world, we know, then he eventually becomes our Savior and our lords, Amen? So this is the principle that God uses, and it is actually applied in many of the stories that we read in Scripture. And I want to maybe highlight one or two uh, during this morning's uh, study of the Word. So God is bringing his son into the world. God is bringing his word into the world. And you know, uh, the Bible tells us that God does not, that means a building like this, or a glass cathedral in California, no matter what kind of building we build, it is always built by human hands, okay? And the Bible says that God does not live by houses, or palaces, or cathedral, or whatever you call it, that are made by human hands. So, where does God live then? Okay. Solomon said, when he was uh, ready with the temple and finally God came through in a very powerful way, and and Solomon prayed, and he says, even the highest heavens cannot contain you neither can you be able to live in this house that I have made, that I have built. So in other words, we must know that Jesus is building his own house, okay? Jesus said, I will build my church, okay? Unfortunately, church is a bad translation. It's supposed to say ecclesia, okay? And ecclesia, that is a combination of people Okay, that is a gathering of people that are gathering, coming together for a specific purpose, and the Bible says that these are those who have come from from the darkness of this world and have been called out into the light of God, and that's the house that God is building. Peter, Peter tells us that we are, each and every one of us, is a living stone, okay, And we could not create ourselves, okay? We were born, okay? All of us, we were born without us having an active part on it. Okay, that is in the natural, but it's also true in the spiritual. You know, Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you are born again, and Nicodemus was a teacher in Israel, a very highly um, qualified person, But he couldn't understand that. And he said, do I have to go back to my mother's womb? And Jesus said, even if you do, you will still be flesh and blood if you are born again in that way. But no, you must be born by the word and the spirit that comes from above, okay? And only then you are born again. And if you're not born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. That means you are having no ability to have consciousness. Okay, when we are not born, before you were born, you couldn't see this world, isn't it? And if you are not born again, you cannot see the world of God. And that's why many people are totally lost, because when we talk about the things of God that are so natural to us, so obvious to us, for them, it's like you're talking about, you know, uh, another world that they cannot even understand. They may even be understanding the universe better out there because they are reading about, about the uh, discoveries that we have made and maybe they see the pictures, but when it is coming to the, the realities of God, many do not, appear, not understand. So we are here to understand and to discern, clearly discern, the methodology of how God works, how God does what he does. So it's very interesting, when Jesus came, he was living just like any other human being. For 30 years, there were only few you know, highlights that are, that are actually reported in the scripture, okay? I know there are some traditions which are saying Jesus did this and did the other and so on. You know, he made some birds fly and things like that. Forget about that. That's not in scripture. Okay? What we know about Jesus is his birth. Okay? Because it's clearly reported. What we know about Jesus again is when he was 12 years old, that is the time when a Jewish boy will be accepted into the congregation when he becomes responsible to God, okay? And of course, that was a very unique moment because Jesus came with his parents into the temple and when the celebration was over, they went back and Jesus remained. And they didn't notice, okay? In the meantime, Jesus was deep into discussion with those who were learned in the scriptures. And everybody was amazed about what Jesus knew. And eventually his parents were looking for him frantically, going all over the place, wherever a a young young boy could be. And finally they came back to the temple and they found him seated with the teachers in the law. Amazing, isn't it? So but after that we don't hear uh, anything again. You know, the Bible says that he went with his parents He obeyed them, and he grew in favor with God and men. And the next time we read anything about Jesus again is when he comes to be baptized by John. Okay, now he was 30 years by that time. So he was appearing when he was born, he was appearing when he was 12, and then 18 years, quite. We don't know what happened, but of course we read from scripture that he was a carpenter's son, so he was probably trained very well in the carpenter's trade. And whatever the carpenter's do, maybe they make furniture, maybe they made house roofs, or whatever they did, Jesus knew all of this. He was skilled, he was trained in that. Interestingly, he was not trained by the teachers of the law in Jerusalem. And yet, he was trained in all the things of God by his own father, okay? He was having a very close, very deep, intimate relationship. Because remember, the father loves this world and that's why he sent his son. And the father and the son, even in those 30 years, from the time when, when, when Jesus would be able to uh, you know, be cognizant of, 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 of uh, others and especially of God, he had a relationship, a wonderful, powerful relationship with his father. To such an extent that this relationship kept him from sliding into trouble, okay? I think we all have been young, isn't it? We all know what it means to be young and, you know, we have all done our funny stuff. When I remember when I was young, you know, Uh, there was a, in our neighborhood, you know, there were quite a number of young guys and, you know, every now and then all of us, we gather together and we we tried to, uh, you know, make life for other people difficult, to say the least. (laughs) Okay. Jesus never did that. Okay. Because even at that time, he had already a deep, intimate relationship with the Father. Okay. And that kept him from listening and understanding you know uh, not from the from the from the you know voices of this world but to understand from the father the will of the lord and so he was able to do what the father told him to do so finally jesus came to the jordan river and he approaches john the baptist and John the Baptist is busy baptizing, busy baptizing and all of a sudden, he sees Jesus. Now, you must understand, Jesus is not a stranger to, 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 to John the Baptist because they, they were cousins, okay? They must have grown up together. But on that particular moment, Jesus looks at, I mean, John the Baptist looks at Jesus and God opens his eyes. He sees a, re, a reality that nobody else can see, and then he exclaims, this is the son of God, this is the lamb of God who carries away the sin of the world, amazing, and of course everybody is shocked, maybe they didn't even understand what he was saying. But this is the Lamb of God who carries away the sin of the world. So for for John the Baptist, it was immediately clear what that was all about. For most of the others, maybe not. But Jesus still came and walked to John into the water. And he says, go ahead, baptize me. And John says, this is impossible, you know. Because he had just known that this is the Lamb of God who carries away the sin of the world. And if he's the Lamb of God, who carries away the sin of the world, then he can say to him, I can't baptize you, okay? Because I know who you are. And Jesus tells him, do it, because it's right for me to fulfill all righteousness. So in other words, Jesus is not asking you to get baptized when he himself refused No, he did exactly what he's asking every one of us to do. Okay? Every now and then, I've met people who says, I don't don't think I need to be baptized because this other one and that other one were not baptized. But Jesus was baptized. And we are not followers of this one or the other one. We are followers of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen? So, when Jesus finally began his ministry, you know, immediately after he was baptized... The Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove and remained on him. So now you have the father, okay, who sent the son. And now you have the son who is now anointed in a very special way by the Holy Spirit. Having him as a companion, never leaving him again. That's amazing. Interestingly, you know, the work of salvation can now begin, but the Holy Spirit is not just exciting him, not just giving him goosebumps or a good feeling, but the Holy Spirit says, let's go into the desert. Let's go and confront the enemy uh, for us to be anointed, to receive the power the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, bringing him face to face with, the, with the, the power of darkness, in fact, with Satan himself, okay? But of course, for Jesus, it was not a threat because he lived in the Word. And so whenever the devil would tempt him, Jesus would say, it is written, it is written. So let us understand, you know, God the Father is the one who releases all life, okay? He releases the Word. He released Jesus. He will release you into this world. And He will give us His Holy Spirit as well, just like we have seen it in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me go a little further and uh, take you to the life of Abraham. Let me read the scripture from Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. God calls Abraham and makes him a father. Okay, now interestingly, we'll come to that. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, The Lord said to Abraham, Please take note of it. Normally we always call Abraham, Abraham, but actually in the beginning his name was Abram. Okay, and Abram means exalted father. So I don't know whether his father, Terah, had a hunch that uh, Abraham would become a powerful father in the future, I don't know. But he called him Abram, exalted father. And go. To. The Lord said to Abram, "Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you will cur- I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you." Okay, so Abram. Becomes a very, very important factor in everyone's life. Because we should know that Abraham is a father who later has a son in the natural, Isaac, and then Isaac has two sons, and the one who becomes the, the one following the footsteps of uh, Abraham and Isaac is, is, is Jacob. We'll come to that a little later. Okay? So, God's way is to replicate his own methodology in the lives of us people, okay? Here, when we talk about Abraham, God is using his methodology, okay, father, son, spirit, in the life of Abraham, okay? He calls a father. He did this before, you know, like with Noah or with Seth. I can't go into these details, but he calls Abraham, and he starts to work with Abraham from the scratch. Over the generations that were originally called by God, they were drifting further and further away from uh, the living God, and eventually Abraham was found in a city called Ur, in Chaldea, that is where today's Oil is found, you know, in Iraq, Kuwait, somewhere there. And this was a place of idol worship, okay, so they were far away from the presence of God. But God still called this man, Abram, okay, who was having a name meaning exalted father, and yet he had a wife who was barren so she could not have a son, okay, so it didn't make sense. So, Abraham was hearing the voice of God, and somehow, you know, uh, he followed that voice. Uh, there were quite some difficulties to understand that because actually, Abraham does not go alone. He goes together with the whole family, with the father. When God actually said, You must leave your father's house. Okay? So, Abraham left Ur in Chaldea, okay, together with his family. And they went all the way to Haran, which was a different direction than where God wanted to lead them, okay? They were going north when they were supposed to go west. When they came to the city, Haran, they settled down. And for many years, 12 years, they were were stuck, okay? So God had called Abram, but the journey had begun, but it had not continued. Eventually, the father of Abram died. And that's when the journey continues. You know, sometimes certain things in our lives have to die before we can be free to follow God. Okay, sometimes things are hindering us that are in the way for us to really fulfill the purposes of God. And so Abraham, you know, had to Wait, because he didn't just leave the way God had called him to leave, but he, he, he left. Oh, no, I, I, I can imagine uh, when Abraham says, I, I, God called me to leave, uh, his father said, no, you can't leave. Then let's all leave together. And of course, because Terah was the father, he, he, he decided where to go. But then Terah was not called. It was Abraham who was called. Okay. And so Abraham had to wait until that hindrance was out of the way, and of course we are not looking at our parents as hindrances, but sometimes, you know, you get hindered by certain circumstances in your life. In this case, it was even the father of Abraham. Along the way, something amazing happened. Of course, you should Take time to study the life of Abraham. I can only touch a few things. But some powerful things have happened in the life of Abraham. And God changed the the name of Abraham to Abraham. Okay? So his name was Abram, which means exalted father. And God changed his name to Abraham. Okay? So in other words, he was even father to a father of nations. And of course, I think at that particular time, he may not fully have understood what that would mean. Because, you know, as I said, Abraham and Sarah didn't have a child, okay? Of course, they had made some ways that uh, there was an Ishmael born, that's besides the point, you know. Ishmael was not promised by God, so it didn't really help much. So God said, no, you have to wait for the son of promise to be born. Okay, and so eventually, you know, Isaac was born. Let me, let me uh, go a little bit further. Genesis chapter 12, verse 6. Abram traveled through the land as far as the side of the great Tree at Mori at Shekem. You know, in those days there were not so many buildings, so they were using trees as landmarks. And you know, trees as landmarks, do you know that trees can become a thousand years old or even older? Okay. So that was a big tree, a landmark. And uh, that was how they were traveling. At the time the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Amazing, isn't it? So God gave him a promise. God gave him a vision. And I think it's very important when God speaks to us, don't say it's impossible. This can never happen. Because God can make all things happen. He's, he's able. He's all powerful. Okay. Let me take a, go a little bit further. Genesis 15 verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Please take note. The word of the Lord came to him. Okay, today the word of the Lord comes to you. Okay, it's not my word, it's the, the word of the Lord. That's why I believe in reading scripture. Okay, so the word of the Lord came to Abraham. Okay, and the Bible says, this man will not be your heir. You know, uh, uh, Abraham had been complaining that you know, he had no sons to his uh, servant. And God said, no, this man is not going to be your heir. And he says, but the son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord." and he credited it to him as righteousness. That's an amazing statement, okay? I mean, today probably we have even a greater appreciation about the number of stars that are in the universe, okay? There are millions and millions and millions of stars, okay? And God said said that, that word to Abraham and says, look at the sky, this is how your offspring shall be. And of course, if we think about that, we may say, this is impossible. How can this ever happen? But Abraham decided to trust God. Okay? And because Abraham trusted God, Abraham believed God, that's why God gave him credits. Okay? So he became acceptable. He became righteous because before God, God was Cleansing him from all unrighteousness because of his belief. Not because of his doing. Because Abraham was a human being just like you and me. Yes, he made mistakes. In fact, there even says that God credited his faith, his belief, his trust in God as righteousness. And that's amazing. And you know, this is what God can do. We cannot do that, but God can do Now, Abraham's life is that progenitor, you know, is the father from whom all the new movements should flow. And when I say movements, this is on one hand the nation of Israel, okay? And you and I, we are not the nation of Israel, okay? I don't think we have anyone who can say I'm I'm a, I'm a... from the tribe of Benjamin or from the tribe of Judah or whatever else. We are all not, isn't it? So if that was the only line, then we would have no part in that. But that is not all, okay? There is also a spiritual lineage, lineage, okay? And the spiritual lineage is through faith. So Abraham is the father of our faith. So when you look at Jesus, Jesus is a son of Abraham, in the natural, but also in the spiritual, okay? Why do I say the natural? Because Abraham is the father of uh, Israel, okay? The father of Isaac, the father of Jacob, who became Israel, and then of course, eventually, uh, Jesus was born in that lineage. But Jesus was not only born according to the flesh, but he was also living according to faith, okay? And when, when God says that in you, in, in Abraham's seed, all the nations shall be blessed, it is, he, he's actually speaking about Christ. Because Christ is the blessing for every nation. Seeing that many of the Jewish people have been going into all different countries in the world And yes, to some extent, they have become rich, but not all of them have been a blessing. Okay? No, Jesus is a blessing to every nation. And this is powerful. Now, let's look at the natural here. Okay? Uh, And that is to follow the methodology of God. Okay? We look at Isaac. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 15, The Bible reads, God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai, her name will be Sarah, okay? After changing the name of Abraham to Abraham, God also changes the name of Sarai to Sarah, okay? And uh, Sarai means the princess, and Sarah means a noble woman, should be a little higher. I don't know in those uh, terms, in those days they were living. Okay, so God actually promoted them, both Abraham and Sarah, okay? Then, he goes on and he says, I will bless her and I will surely give her, give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations, kings of peoples will come from her. Okay, and a little bit further, In chapter 21, verse one, the Bible says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time, God had promised him. Abraham gave him the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. Sarah said, Verse 6 is that, Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. Very interesting. You know, the Bible tells us that when Sarah first heard about, uh, you know, having a son in her old age, she laughed. She was wondering, you know, how can this be? But later on, this became, you know, a coined uh, statement, because... Isaac was actually meaning laughter or joy. And when you look at the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, uh, we can see that the Son of God was the Son in whom the Father said, I am well pleased. He brought him joy. uh, He brings joy to the Father. Okay? In the fullness of time, you know, the Bible says when the time had fully come, God sent his Son. And even the the arrival of Isaac was promised. You know, God would actually come to Abraham's tent. You know, there was a, a mission that the Lord did. And he passed Abraham's tent. There were three men, and one of them was the Lord. Okay, when I say the Lord, then you should understand that this is a coded scripture, which means it's the Christ. Okay, so the Christ came into the, into the home of, of Abraham. They sat under a tree, and Abraham was quickly running to his wife, Sarah, and says, please prepare food because uh, we have visitors. So they prepared food. And uh, in, the, in the course of the discussion, the Lord promised that a year from that moment there would be a son in Abraham's tent. Okay. Very particular timing, okay? When the time had fully come, God sent his son. So, can you see the methodology? There's a father who releases the word, who sends the son, okay? And there's the father Abraham who is promised a son, Isaac, at a particular time, okay? That's how God works. And when he comes, then he will be a joy, for the parents. Now, Isaac, if you look at Isaac's life, he had a lot of uh, uh, challenges and harassment from the enemies to contain with. Okay, every time he was settling in a place and he had a mighty harvest, uh, the, the enemies became very annoyed, you know? They were not happy because he had a good harvest and them they didn't have the same harvest. And so they were making his life difficult until he moved. And he had to bring another well, and they closed the well again until he moved again. Okay? And then finally, he came to a place where he was able to establish his well that they will not would not close again. And you see, Jesus, the Son of God, who had to go through the same things. When Jesus came, he was so much opposition. Okay? The very people who were supposed to receive him, the very people who were his own, uh, John chapter 1 verse uh, 10 tells us, or 11, it says he came into his own and those who were his own did not receive him. So they, they pushed him and pushed him and pushed him. But eventually, Jesus established a will. Okay, a powerful will. And we find that in the book of John chapter 7, verse 38. And he says, He who believes in me, as Scripture says, from within him will flow a river of living water. Amen? Rivers, in fact, rivers of living water. This is powerful. Okay? So in other words, Jesus established a well that is flowing in every one of our lives, provided we believe in him. Provided we are fixed upon him, you know. fix your eyes upon Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your face. And when we do this, you know, that living water will flow. Okay, maybe you go to verse 37. Okay, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out if anyone thirst let him come to me and drink okay this is the well okay again 38 whenever whoever believes in me as scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water and 39 now this he said about the spirit listen the spirit eh? the methodology of jesus or of god you know the father the son and the spirit Okay, this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But we know that Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem, okay? Because when you wait upon the methodology of God, you know, the Spirit is going to be poured out upon you. And that is the methodology of God, you know. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit always work in unison. They always work together, okay. And that is true in your life and in my life. So don't try to do things in the modus of the flesh, of, the, of man's will, okay. Sometimes, of course, we are too self-willed. We do our things the way we think they are, they are, they are supposed to be. But we must learn to listen to the voice of the Lord. Okay, we must not build the house of God through the the muscles of man. (coughs) Okay, because God does not live in houses that are built by men. God lives in the house that is built by the words. Okay, built by the spirits. Okay, the word that is endowed by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Remember, the oil that is poured on the, on the uh, high priest Aaron, it's poured on the head, but then it's going to flow down so that the whole body is being equally anointed. So Isaac was able to establish his will, okay, and in the natural, of course, he was the one who was now going to hand over the blessing to the next generation. Of course, he had two sons, Esau and Jacob. And Esau was the firstborn, so it was his birthright that would have made him to be the next in life. But unfortunately, Esau, was not interested. He was more interested in a good meal than in the birthright. And because Jacob was hungry for the blessings of God, he, he desired the blessings of God from all of his heart, he was doing a deal with Esau. Okay, He gave him a good, good meal of lentils but please, don't, don't sell your birthright. Even if, you, even if you go to the best restaurant, it's not worth it to, to, to trade in your birthright. Okay? So make sure that you understand the call of God for your life. Amen. So now, Jacob realizes the, the way Esau lives was not really uh, showing much interest of the things of God. And because Jacob had a lot of interest in you know, walking in the footsteps of his, his grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac, he, he said, okay, I need, to, I need to get that, whichever way. Now, there's a very interesting story again in scripture. And, we we need to just quickly go to the book of Genesis chapter thirty two verse nine. Okay, when when Jacob had had uh, you know convinced Esau to sell his birthright, uh, then of course he was in trouble because. Uh, uh, you know, his, his brother wanted to have the blessings as much as he wanted, and so eventually, uh, there came the day when, when uh, Isaac was going to bless the one who was the firstborn. And of course, in his mind, that was Esau. So somehow, he didn't, he, he didn't uh, fully understand that at that particular time that Esau was not really in the things of God. He was able to bring a good meal to him, but he was not in the things of God. Okay, the Bible says that Isaac at that time, his eyes were weak, so he could not see properly. And so Esau went in instead of, of, uh, Isaac went in instead of Esau, and got the blessings from Isaac. You can read it, It's it's a very interesting, powerful story. But the same blessings Isa also wanted to get, and when he came home from hunting, brought a very nice, uh, you know, um, meat from, from some wild uh, animal that he was hunting and prepared it for his father, he realized that there was somebody before him who got the blessings, okay? Now as the firstborn, Isa was supposed to get the blessings, but he sold his birthright, okay? And it's only natural that the one who got the birthright is the one who was blessed. So, uh, you know, Jacob was blessed. So, with the help of his mother, you know, they they bent the will of the father and Jacob got blessed. Okay, now, let me go to uh, uh, Genesis chapter 32. Bible says in verse 9, Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, okay, interesting, he doesn't say my grandfather Abraham, he says my father Abraham, okay. In God's kingdom there are no grandchildren, there are only children, there are no grandfathers, there are only fathers. Okay, so Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, Go back to your country and to your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I'm unworthy of all the kindness and f- this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. So uh, Jacob had to run away because he was in trouble with his brother, and eventually God said to him, "Go back to your homeland." Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. The Bible says, "So Jacob was left alone." And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? What is your name? It's not because he was unaware of his name, but he wanted him to mention the name, okay, because God was about to change that name. You understand? He said, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And Jacob means, you know, the supplanter, the one who is not so straight, the one who deceives. Okay? What is your name, Jacob? He answered. Then the man said, you will no longer be Jacob but Israel, okay? You will no longer be Jacob but Israel because you have struggled with God and with men, and you have overcome. Wow, this is a powerful statement. And this is not a statement that comes from another human being. This is a statement that God himself makes, okay? We don't know exactly, we have no explanation who exactly the man was that Jacob was wrestling with. Maybe it was an angel, or maybe it was even the Christ. But at the end, we have that powerful statement. And again, we must understand that statement does not come from a human source. It comes from a divine source, it comes from above your name is no longer Jacob, your name is going to be Israel. And Israel means the one who contends with God or the one who wrestles with God. Okay, so just uh, go back a a little bit, you know, Jacob was not the firstborn. Jacob was not supposed to be blessed with the firstborn blessings and that was carrying a lot of significance in those days. But he wrestled, he desired, he didn't want to give up. Okay, later on he was going to his Uncle Laban and and of course with Uncle Laban, uh, you know, things didn't go well because Uncle Laban was also a deceiver just like Jacob, okay? So he promised him things which he didn't keep, okay? He said, okay, here's your dad and you, my, my, my." but he changed the wages 10 times, the Bible says, okay? Then, you know, Laban had a daughter that Jacob loved. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, because he loved that lady so much, Laban said, okay, you have to work for her seven years. And Jacob didn't mind. Okay, seven years, all right, I will work for you. And so he got uh, married to uh, the daughter of of Uncle Laban. But unfortunately, when she finally was brought to him, you know, in those days you were not looking at each other before you went into getting married. You, you, you know, the bride was brought in. And when he, when he uncovered her, he saw it was the wrong lady. She was not the one who was beautiful. She was not the one he loved. She was the older sister who didn't look as quite as, 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 as uh, you know, uh, Beautiful as the as the other one. And so he was very annoyed, and he went to his uncle and he says, what have you done to me? And he says, well, it is not right for me to give the younger daughter away while the other one is not yet married. So I gave you the other one, but no problem, I give you the other one as well, but you have to work another seven years. So he had to work 30, 14 years for the lady he loved. Hey, how many of you would be willing to to, to do that. Okay? Sometimes uh, young men these days, they are complaining if they think the Lobola is too high. Okay? You know, too many cows. So there is a lot of uh, negotiation. Lobola must come down, Lobola must come down. Some people have even come to me, I think we should do away with Lobola. Hey, look at look at look at this man, Jacob. He worked for fourteen years to get the woman of his love, and the Bible says for him it was just passing like nothing because his love was so so great. Okay, interesting, isn't it? So, but eventually God said to uh, to Jacob, go back. Okay, and when Jacob Laban he went. With a lot of riches. Okay? Uh, Laban, his uncle, wanted to, to, to you know, uh, manipulate him so that he would bring the riches only to, to his father-in-law and get get away with nothing. But you know, they were two in a way that were blessing him over and above in ways and means that you know are difficult to understand. So, you know, read this story, it's very interesting. I, I really have not much time left, so I, I can't stay here. But then, you know, Jacob comes back and he says, when the last time I crossed this river going to, you know, when he was actually on his way going to Uncle Laban, God appeared to him and says, says I'm the God of your father Abraham, the God of your father Isaac, and we, I was with them. I will be. Uh, I was, uh, I'm going to be with you, and for sure, it was true. Okay, the blessings of Abraham, the blessings of Isaac, have been on the life of Jacob, and so he comes back and he finds again that uh, strange encounter with the man that he that he wrestles with, and God says, "You have wrestled with God." And with men. Okay. You have wrestled with. Esau your brother. You have wrestled with. Uh, Laban your uncle. You know I have wrestled with uh, Isaac your father. And you have won. You have got everything that you wanted. You have wrestled with God. Because you know. He was not supposed to be getting the firstborn blessings. You know the birthright was supposed to be for Esau. But Esau. Didn't care. And it's very interesting that you read in the book of Romans, chapter 9, verse 13. Actually, it's a, it's a quote from the Old Testament in the book of Malachi. And it says, and God says, Jacob, I loved. Esau, I hated. That's a powerful statement. And why does God say that? Because Esau was a man who didn't care for the things of God. But Jacob did. And so Jacob was able to win the battle as he was wrestling and he, the carrier of the blessings, not only for his own family, but actually, you know, Jacob is a picture of the church because in Jacob now, there was multiplication taking place. That's when the, the one person, Abraham, the one person, Isaac, became a nation, okay, the nation of Israel. Okay. And again, the blessings come from the Father to the Son and eventually to the crowd, to the congregation, to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So now, let's understand. When God introduces himself to Moses, he tells Moses, In the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verse 14, I am who I am. Okay, very powerful statement. I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. That is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. I'm sure you have noted that the name that was here, the name of Abraham, the name of Isaac, and the name of Jacob, was not supposed to be that name. Okay? Because Esau was the firstborn. And if Esau was loving the Lord, if Esau would have walked in the ways of the Lord, then it would have been the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Esau. Okay? Esau looked down upon his birthright. He he, he, he didn't care about the birthright. Of course, he wanted to have blessings. But God could not even allow him to have the blessings because he despised his birthright. And so we must understand that God is the one who will always let his blessings flow from the Father to the Son and to the church. Okay? We are the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Okay? God said, I'm the God of Abraham. I mean, imagine. Abraham was a man with faults. The shortcomings. Isaac had shortcomings. Okay? Jacob was a supplanter. Okay? Somebody who, you know, squeezed his way through. And God yet says, I am the God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. And the God of Jacob. And he is the God of the ecclesia today. I will build my church and the gates of hell will never break it down. Isn't that powerful? So we who live by faith are called to be heirs with the son. Okay? Okay, you remember Abraham handed everything into the hands of Isaac. He was the heir. Then he handed everything into the hands of, the, of, of, of Jacob, who became Israel. And Israel was now becoming a blessing to the whole congregation. And the, the, the Old Testament people of Israel is a picture of the New Testament church. Our lineage, of course, is not going via Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Our lineage is from the father, the son, and then to the church. But we are children of Abraham. And we are getting the same blessings of Abraham when we trust and believe in him as he did. So Abraham is definitely our father, and the promises, as the New Testament tells us very clearly, the promises of Abraham are ours. Like darkness, isn't it? But thank God, God has given us a birthright. He has brought us out of darkness into his wonderful light. So in Christ, we are more than conquerors, because we, are, we have been able to overcome the darkness, not in our strength, but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are children of God, and every child is meant to grow into an adult, okay? So we are children, we are growing into sons. Let me just read from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 13. For if you live after the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as, they, as are led by the Spirit of God, these are children of God. For you didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Amen? So remember, God created the Father. He released the Word, the Son. And then the Spirit did the work on the ground. And that's exactly what we see here again. Okay? Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Okay? So whatever God the Father did and Jesus Was carrying out on 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 this planet earth, it is approved or is testified about by the Spirit of God. So we have a testimony in our hearts and lives that we are children of God because of who God made us to be. Okay? And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joined heirs with Christ. Praise God. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. So, God has given us a powerful promise, okay? That everything flows from our Father, comes through the Son, and comes into our lives and the Spirit. The Bible says, when the fullness of time came, God sent out his Son, born to a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as children, okay? So we were adopted into the family of God, we are children of the Most High. And because we are children, God sent out the spirit of his son in our hearts, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, exactly like we read in in, in the book of Romans. So we are no longer a bond servant. But a son, okay? Not even children anymore, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Praise the Lord. So this is the way God works, okay? Everything begins from the Father, okay? He releases the Word, just like he sent his Son, Jesus Christ, into the world. And today, we as the body of Christ, we the church of the Lord, are being blessed overwhelmingly. We are joined as with Christ. And the fullness of God is being poured into our lives. We have the right to call God Father. Even so, we were born in darkness. But praise God, he has brought us to his light. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful for your wonderful presence here today. We thank you, Lord, that we can see how you work for our favor, for our blessings, for our good. And Lord Jesus, we pray that we may all be able to understand our heritage that we have received in you. To you to be the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.